You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson. I'm joined by an unfamiliar face on the podcast. It's been seven games since we saw you, James. We beat Fulham the last time you were on. And we've beat Tottenham Hotspur today, another team in white. You're lucky omen, James. Welcome back. Yeah, I have to pick my times right, and it's sort of to get Villa the points at the uh, opportune time. But now it's good to be back, and especially after another win, uh, Villa look uh, a lot different since uh, from the team that we left off at Fulham, where it was it smash and grab. It looked uh, pretty solid, if I don't yeah. if you don't want me saying against uh, Tottenham. I don't know what what was different, what what clicked. Obviously, Jack started, and we changed the system a little bit with him playing centrally. I don't know if it's all down to that because he only plays seventy minutes, but. Much improved against Spurs today. Yeah, I mean, across the board, it was nice. It was nice to see, I think, the defensive aspect as well. Um, how kind of solid we looked in defence um, compared to, you know, compared to Spurs, who were pretty panicky. I think Chris Coleman, the commentator, pointed it out. You know, that's uh, kind of highlighted by their uh, their own goal, how kind of rushed it was and how panicked it was and, you know, how, how solid Villa looked in defence. But, you know, there's more, so many talking points coming from uh, what seemed like a really routine win for Villa, actually, Dan, which is uh, weird to say. After what we've been through, where, where do we start then? Do we welcome back Captain Jack? A good little seventy minutes for him, and plays centrally, which I think people have been wanting to see for quite a while. Um, pushes El Ghazi and Traore sticking sticking out wide and actually playing games rather than being dropped for Jack coming straight back in. Um, yeah, what did you make of Jack first of all? Let's start there. Well, you know, he's not at his best, is he? He's not the the Jack Grealish that we that that we you know we we got used to um, during the first half of the season. But look, uh, Jack Grealish. At seventy percent, is still better than most people. At hundred percent, to be fair, so no, he he's getting there. Look, he came off at seventy-two minutes. He's getting the game time. Unfortunately, I know the seasons run out before he's, you know, got back and firing match fit. But it's good to see him start. Um, it's good to see him actually play this season because I think we were all feeling, hang on, he's not going to come back at all, is he? But you know, mm. when Dean Smith's uh, old little saying in the press conference that he's back in training, he should be back in contention. Pain free. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the cliches were there because I kind of tried to stay away from it eventually. But no, it's good to see him start and have such an impact, even when he's not at his best. So can't wait to see uh, next season when he's staying in a Villa shirt and uh, he's starting every game and uh, he's back at 100 percent after a, hopefully a successful Euros. So you're saying he's not going to Arsenal then? <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, he might look all right in a red and white shirt in the the, the eyes of Arsenal fans, but not you know he's claret and blue, and it mate. He's not going to go sideways to uh, Arsenal, is it? Yeah, it's a it's a weird game tonight. There's a few comments coming in saying how how different it could have been. We could have scored four or five goals, really. And you go from the the sublime to the pathetic, don't you, with Villa or the opposite, absolutely rubbish against against Palace. And in a game, you think, oh, should go there. That maybe this is where Emmy Martinez gets his clean sheet and breaks the record. And obviously, he's not done that tonight. But you expect us to do do all right against Palace. They're pretty pretty ordinary, really. And then you think, oh, Spurs and Chelsea to end the season. This is going to be a, a poor run for Villa to end, end the second half of the season. And then you go there and, and beat Spurs and, and play well and, and fully deserve to win as well. Yeah, I think, you know, in the first few minutes, I was really scared, actually. Um, main talking point was Nakamba's, was it Nakamba's mistake at all? Um, yeah. Courtney Hall's playing the ball out from the back with no option ahead of him. It was a weird ball and uh, the way that gets kind of intercepted by Spurs and then all the pressure on Nakamba. Look, he was blindsided a bit. But uh, it's it's that Villa thing. I think last season, errors leading to the goals for Villa was 29 or 30. So we'd given away a fair chunk of goals for our own doing. I think it's probably 13 or 14 now. That's just another one we've added. Look, we're cutting them out, but they're still frustrating when they happen. And that one especially was really annoying because it was just, you know, the game was just getting started and we'd given Spurs 
the leg up really easily. So mm. that was a pretty, pretty villa, wasn't it? Production note for you: Don't rub this on your beard like you just did. I know you're not used to using these. You don't have a proper microphone, but you're doing this just very I'll keep annoying. Keep my hands firmly in my pockets, sir. Yeah, sitting and bring back Matt Kendrick. I don't know where he is actually. Someone just said, "Where is he?" I actually don't know where he is. He's just scarred well, off. I've got the Matt Kendrick angle. I think if I do that, yeah. that's how Matt comes on, doesn't he? So yeah, I'm trying to be a bit more Matt. Shave my head. Stop <laughs> talking um, about YPAs or something. Yeah, let's try and keep it semi-Villa focused for, for for the moment at least. Talk to me about about Tara Mings. He was missing in the last game through injury, and Courtney Horse played centre back. Um, Horse played centre back against Nantes, and Conte played at right back, which I don't actually mind. It reminds me of Project Restart when we actually did well as well. Um, but with Mings, there's a period of time when everyone's saying he's a bit of, li- of a liability. He's got a mistake in him. Shouldn't be in the side. Blah blah. Doesn't play against Palace, and we miss his organisation. He comes back today, and he's probably played his best performance. For a good while, I think he. Was, I thought he was immense tonight. Yeah, Villa's defense was incredible, and Tyron Mings is, you know, always a big part of that. I think the organisation. How many fans are there? Ten thousand today. Pretty loud in spots. Um, the booing as well. Uh, and you know, there's one voice you can hear above all, and that's Tyron Mings. When he wasn't there, as good as Ezri Kanza is, as good as Courtney Hawes can be, you don't have that organisation. Tyron mm. Mings, though as you said, can be a, you know, the liability aspect is there. But I think that is because he has a lot on his plate when he's in a Villa team. He's he's looking at everything and he's organising everything. He leads, I think, the Premier League in, in, in individual errors, leads to goals and not far behind his Matty Cash. So, you know, if there's one bit of his game he needs to remove, it's those silly errors that, you know, you know a goal can be completely on his shoulder sometimes. Where we'd be without him, though, is a place I don't really want to think about. If I'm honest, because you know, with no Tyron Mings, I think we aren't we aren't the same team at all. Despite the fact he can be a bit, um, you know, weird on the ball in, in the face of goal. Yeah, I just find that argument strange. So take away any Martinez, we've been in a relegation battle this season. It's like, oh yeah, but yeah, take away it. anyone's player and you you you'd be struggling. So let's talk about Martinez. Good segue there. Um, if I do say so myself, hasn't broken that clean sheet record yet, and we'll have to hold out Chelsea on uh, Sunday to for him to break that record of. Currently on 15, 16 gets the record. Um, some top-class saves again tonight, though. His reflexes, he's unbelievable. He's such a good goalkeeper. And we've said before, he's probably... I think he's probably Villa's signing of the season. You could argue Watkins, maybe. But if he's if he's not uh, in contention for Villa specifically, you've got to say even for the rest of the league, he's up there as one of the best signings. Yeah, one of the best goalkeepers. I think conversations had, you know, who will come in for him uh, down the line. And you've got to be looking at the biggest names of the world for Martinez. He's fantastic. If there's one thing I think he could probably be better at, it's probably being that sweeper keeper. But it doesn't look like Villa's system wants a goalkeeper to do that, kind of run outside their box and claim the ball of their feet and, you know, make their team press higher up. But... No, fantastic. It's just a shame that the chances for him to now break that record of uh, clean sheets at Villa are really, really limited. Of course, one game left against Chelsea. Is it likely that we keep a clean sheet? Who knows? I mean, if we play like we did tonight, we'll have a, a strong, strong chance of doing that. But, you know, with Martinez, we have a chance of breaking that record and that's all down to him and that defence. Fantastic goalkeeper. Can't speak highly enough of him. He's a fantastic player of the season, in my eyes. Um, yeah. I know the argument there, if you take him out, you know, what are Villa? I'm very glad we've got him. He's made a massive, massive difference. What about Nakamba? It's hard to read Nakamba for me because at times I, I look at him and think he's exactly what Villa need and he breaks the play up and he'll, he's 
it gives us a bit of balance there. I think the other midfielders are better when Nakamba plays and you know he's going to be behind you. I thought McGinn looked, we'll talk about McGinn in a, in a minute, he looked absolutely back to his best. Obviously Grealish in there as well and Nakamba's the one who's dedicated to sit and he, that's his role and he knows what he's got to do. And then he'll get on the ball and make a silly pass or have a silly mistake in him. I think, oh, he's not good enough to be anywhere near this team, really, and I can't quite make my mind up on him. I think that role is what Villa need, having a proper defensive midfielder sat there, but not marvellous Nakamba next season because he's not quite got the quality to play every game in the Premier League. Yeah, I guess you saw the best and worst of him today. Um, look, the mis- mistake, he was pretty blindsided, as I said. But it happened and it, he was the player that it, that it happened to. So unfortunate for him. But look, um, I think he was fantastic after the mistake. I think he re- rebounded from it really, really well. If there was a person charging down the ball, it was him. Yeah. Would that have happened if the mistake had happened? Because I, I don't know how he, he didn't seem to start the game in the same manner as he, as he finished it. So, you know, full credit to him for kind of growing into it and, and picking up the responsibility when that mistake fell on him. But yeah, I think defensive midfield is is where Villa really need to look at in the summer. Um, Narvis Nakamba has been fantastic in spots, pretty average in others and poor on the on the odd occasion. Villa need more consistency there and they need a stronger name at defensive midfield. But that doesn't mean Nakamba and Luis can't still be a part of this team as depth and rotation options. You know, we saw Luis higher up um, today and he looked more exciting up there. So Villa might be sport for choice uh, in midfield next season. And uh, how, how young is Luiz? He's got plenty more to give as well. The potential there is, uh, is incredible. Called up to Brazil as well, so fair play to him. I love that the, the comments are, are pretty much all saying, not everybody, but saying he was, he was really good tonight in the camera. And then there's a couple of people yeah. saying he was one of our worst players. So he does divide opinion. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. Um, one that probably doesn't divide opinion tonight, John McGinn. That spin. Oh my God, what a player. I'll tell you Back what, best, been, I think. he wouldn't be doing it if he didn't have a yellow card. When he gets a yellow card, <laughs> he's obviously tamed and then he's like staying away yeah. from it. any sort of contact that could come from him trying to win the ball or him playing with the ball and then leaving one in after. You know, it'd be my instruction now, John McGinn, just keep away from it until you can get a, you know, find your form in game because when he gets that yellow card, the caution's there and it really affects his game. John McGinn. Always runs that game full blood. Did you want him without the caution? So it was uh, really exciting to see him back to his best of that. A few shots as well, kind of yeah. like, wildly. That, the way he kind of angles to shoot, we've missed that. Um, I know he didn't hit the target at all today, but he looked a really, really confident player and that has been missing from him recently. I don't know if it, the Euros is in the, I know he's in the Scotland squad. I don't know if yeah. getting the form back is in, his, in the back of his mind, but you know, he was, he was more John McGinn today than he has been um, for most of this season, actually. So yeah, yeah nice, nice to see. Uh- I'd have to go back and check, and surprise, surprise, I haven't in the haste of a post-match podcast. It feels like every time he scored a goal, the game or two after, he seems to be back. Not that he's a confidence player and he has to score to, to play well, but he always seems to be better after he scored in the previous game. That's probably one of those weird things that isn't actually true, but I just think it's true in my own head. Um, someone just gave me a great reminder of another talking point. I've lost it. Uh, I'm sure that was from, from Daniel it's as well. in a penalty shout. Yes. Daniel Wales, he says, can we talk about the pen? How was that not given? I've had Blues fans in my Twitter DMs, and my Twitter mentioned sorry saying uh, Watkins was not in control of the ball so the rules state that it's not a penalty because he wasn't going to get to it I kind of understand that to be fair to them my grievance then is with the rules that the rules are wrong because Lloris comes in and wipes Watkins out and if you did that anywhere else on the pitch you'd be given a foul for it whether they had the ball or not so to say Watkins didn't have possession of the ball so it's not a foul is 
seems a bit of a cop out to me. And ultimately, we go on and win the game, so it doesn't really matter. But that that could change the game that Villa don't get that penalty and a chance to score. So, how how referees don't give it, how VR doesn't then review it and say actually, yeah, he's he swiped him out. That's a penalty. I just don't understand that the rules are wrong. For me, it felt like a crystal clear penalty, but under VAR and the rules of the game, what is a you know a clear cut penalty these days? Um, I get the argument that he didn't have the ball, wasn't in control. I think Chris Coleman said the Reese was withdrawing from the challenge. Whatever, man. Um, for me, it felt like he disrupted Watkins. It was it's a foul in the in the you know if if the ball was going out for a throw in, and Tanganga took uh, took Grealish out like that. It's a foul. It's a free kick, isn't it? So yeah. Why isn't it a penalty? Look, it didn't matter at the end of the day, but there's plenty of scenarios where Aston Villa could have benefited from a penalty like that, um, chiefly being 1-0 down to Spurs <laughs> from home. <laughs> so, uh, you know, why not? I, I felt like it was a penalty. I can see why it wasn't given. It's still, like, annoying that there was no conversation about it and with VAR being so quick to intervene in every situation and not being there. That's a frustration for me as well. Yeah, I imagine they looked at it and just went, the ball's going out of play, he's not got control, we move on and carry on with the game. But to me, that that's the rules being wrong, not the application of VAR or the referee making a mistake. Yeah. Just, the rules are weird. Chuck Maker yeah. and Philogene Bedice, two of the most worst names for a comment for a commentator, try and get those right. I think the commentator did get one of them wrong. I think he said Bedace. But I've heard Ash say it a few times on the podcast. I was like, oh, no, 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 this is, this, this is easy for me. Uh, difficult to spell, that's another matter, but we'll move on. Um, they look good, to be fair. In the, they only had five, six, seven minutes between them, but I saw a lot of the comments when we were alive saying, oh, we've been persisting with Barker this whole time. We've got Chocomake on the bench, who's the future. He should have been playing him this whole time. And it's, it's a very different thing to be playing in. Not that we'd won the game at that point, but we were winning. But still, Chuck him in for 10 minutes away from home and it, it only 2-1 at Spurs, isn't it? Like, it wasn't like we were winning 5 or 6 nil. So it was a it was still a pressure pressurised situation. Um, but ultimately, a nothing game compared to chucking him in 15 games ago, for example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they look good, don't they? They look comfortable and... There'll be a lot of people saying hopefully they'll get some minutes against Chelsea on Sunday, but the, the Youth Cup finals the Monday, so very, very unlikely they'll feature on Sunday, but you know, stranger things have happened. You know, Chuck Mecca, he, he looked apprehensive for all of 10 seconds. He was fantastic you know, for, for the brief moments we saw him, but he's yeah. very lively in, in, a, in a high in, you know, high pressure situation as well. I thought we, had, we was going to bring you know the experience heading. We thought we was going to bring Barkley on, to be fair. And to see Chuck Mecca then for the Dean Bidace come on was... Yeah, wild. Um, there's no other way to put it. But look, fully deserved. Um, the, the fact that by their time, I think in the live version of this, when I was trying to wing it before I got kicked out, someone said, "Bring on Louis Barry for a dead rubber." That's not how Villa do things. They treat these, and I know we've been playing Ross Barkley, has been you know turning up and what, whatnot. But they treat these positions with prestige. You don't just get one just mm. because you have to wait your time. And you know what does it say to Al Ghazi, Traore, Watkins if Louis Barry just suddenly starts? You know what I mean? Um, he, if Louis Barry is to start and, and be involved in the first team setup, it's going to be similar to Jacob Ramsey, Chuck Mecca, and Phil Jean Bidet. So you're going to have to wait your turn. Calling it a dead rubber and just giving them the, the position takes away the importance of those yeah. positions in, in the first team, if you get what I mean. Um, but no, look, they come on and they, they had a point to prove and they proved it. Um, Phil, you know, Phil Jean Bidet on the wing and um, Chuck Mecca kind of driving up. But they had chemistry that kind yeah. of gravitated to the same side. You can, they you can tell they've played together and played well before. Yeah, and it was weird seeing kind of Esri Conza, like Jordan, the little triangle they had, because he's the, the elder statesman of, of the yeah. group, and he's like oh, one of our younger players. So, no, look, it's amazing. And when Chukwemeka took the shot, I thought, 
dream debut, and it and look, I know it didn't go in, but it may as well have done in my eyes. Uh, fantastic for you. I mean, he's gonna want the goal, but yeah. may as well have done. There's been a lot of talk about like throwing them in and blood in the youngsters, nothing to play for, just chuck them in. And I've said, and many other people have said, oh, yeah, like I said, I've said it a few times on this podcast that it's different to being successful in under 18s football as a youngster, 17 year old, to then be thrown in and playing. Premier League games, it's a very different thing. Physically, they're very different. And then they come on today and they look, they do look comfortable in that last five, ten minutes. So am I wrong in saying it's different between under-18s football and the Premier League? Or is it just that they are that good and they are ready? It probably doesn't set the best kind of pathway, does it, as well? If you just if someone has a good few games, you know, you chuck them in. But look, they've had a, an amazing season at youth yeah. level. Chuck Rebecca is just, you know, he's another level watching him play against, you know, West Brom and, and Newcastle in the FA Youth Cup. They just can't lay a, lay a glove on him, to be honest. Same goes, to be fair, for a lot for Louis Barry and, uh, and Brad Young as well. Chuck Rebecca's been different, different class. So his time has been coming. Uh, Villa's midfield, it has been a bit congested, not because of the quality available, but, you know, just because of the numbers there. Ross Barkley, you've had to beat John McGinn, you'll have to beat Douglas Louise, Marvis Lacamba, Jacob Ramsey as well. Jacob Ramsey, now. yeah. Yeah, a first-team member. So, look, there's a queue, but I think the time... I didn't think it was the, the right situation to put him in as well, and Dean Smith just dropped him yeah. straight in there, which is, you know, it's, it's promising, but look... Villa have their way of doing things. They have a pathway. Dean Smith's made it clear that Chukwemeka has a pathway at the club and they have to follow that to the two. They can't just, you know, give him a, a start as a treat. You know, it, it's done professionally. And what, would I have liked to see him earlier? Yeah, I would have liked to see him months ago. But he's only going to start more and more games now or appear in more and more games. So it's only a positive thing. Fans back at stadiums was, was nice to see, even though it wasn't Villa Park. But the, we will see thousands of Villa fans at Villa Park on Sunday. You, are you lucky enough to be... In the ballot, did you get a ticket? No, I didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, but look, um, I'm, I'm really pleased for the people who are going. Um, but to me, Villa Park isn't Villa Park unless it's got that full crowd. So hopefully, yeah. that return. Soon I would still like to go. I'm, ho- yeah. I'm hoping that Matt Mark just messaged me like, "Oh, do you, I've got, I've got a ticket here out of nowhere. Do you want to go?" But that's, it's not happened so far, so I'm not holding out any hopes for that. Um, I think I said it on one of our re- after might have been after the Paris defeat or after another defeat. I thought, well, when fans go back, can we like? Be nice about it. Can we not like throw the players under the bus? It's going to be the last game of the season. If things go wrong, can we not be idiots, basically? And that's what I felt what Spurs were like this afternoon. I know everyone's got their own gripes with their club and, and the news about Harry Kane leaving and all the rest of it. Booing them off at half time. You've not been to the you've not been to a game for over a year. You're booing off your players at half time and full time. Like if Villa are losing against Chelsea at Villa Park on Sunday. Don't boo them off. The, the context is different. Look, Spurs are, uh, you know, they Super League stuff. You've had Daniel Levy kind of... Yeah, lay, that's true. That's had him lay a dig at Mourinho in a statement today and he's, you know, the man who hired him. So, you know, it's just a bizarrely, bizarre club. Uh, bizarrely run club, sorry. Um, but, you know, with Villa, I don't think that happens on the final day. When we were in our dire situation on the final day of you know, when we were being relegated and we drew against Newcastle, it was a party atmosphere. Yeah, I don't. Ex- I oh, yeah, I don't expect same. Villa fans to do to do that. I'm just saying. Yeah. I was wary of it. it as, soon as, yeah. as soon as Spurs started booing, I was like, "Oh God!" If this was Villa doing this, Villa fans doing that, I'd be embarrassed for them because I am for any club. Uh, I know everyone's got their own circumstances, but yeah, surely you save at the moment of being back in the stadium rather than booing. Just get behind them. Yeah. You're pushing on for Europe still. Look, everyone, you know, I'm not going to be the fan police here, but everyone has the right to do whatever they want within reason at a stadium. But I think from the games I've seen with fans back, and that goes to the, you know, the championship playoff uh, semis in the week, mm. 
there's been a fair few people who haven't looked like they're enjoying themselves, um, which is a shame because I think, you know, it is, to be attending these games is, is a massive privilege. When I had to report on Villa, you know, it wasn't lost on me mm. that there was nobody at the stadium. You know, we don't know what will happen with the pandemic or whatever occurs with the tears and lockdowns again. So, you know, you have to take your shot at these games. You don't know if it's going to be the last Villa game you attend because things happen or situations occur. So, you know, enjoy, make sure Villa's, Villa's the, the one club that's really, uh, really seems to be enjoying it, no matter the scoreline. Yeah, I suppose the flip side of that argument is that for the fans that went there and booed, they're thinking, well, if this is my only time to make my point, I've got to go there and, and boo <laughs> and make my point. So, yeah, exactly. Um, the final thing to end on is, is Villa know where they're going to finish the season now. We can flash it up on screen. 11th place for Villa, 52 points so far. Leeds ahead of us on 56, so we can't catch them. And Wolves losing today against Everton are on 45, so they can't catch us. So that's 11th place for Villa then. Pretty, you know, it's not exactly mid-table. We won't see us in the top half, which is a slight annoyance not to be 10th. And I know that we're going to have a lot of stuff from Leeds fans saying, oh, I've come up first season, finished above you, blah, blah, blah. There's a time, a period of time when we probably should have finished above Leeds and Arsenal and been 9th or or yeah. eighth there if we had Jack Grealish and not dropped off blah, blah, blah. we all know how the season's gone towards the end but I said this on Twitter the other day obviously the second half has been disappointing and as fans we're not going to forget that but when we look back on this in a few t- few years time it will have Villa down as having their best points total for over 10 years and coming back up and cons- consolidating in the Premier League and finishing 11th how the season actually went no one will really remember that in a few years time and an 11th place finishing the Premier League after struggling last season and being in the Championship two, three seasons ago. It's a good sign of progress, isn't it? Are you, are you happy with finishing 11th? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's fed up of hearing about progress, this and that, but Villas is kind of undeniable. Um, if we had to make the same leap next season, you know, on the last day of the season, what's our kind of worst-case scenario going to be? Last season, it was relegation. This season, it's possibly Wolves could overtake and you finish 12th. Next season, hopefully, it's um, us talking about, oh, I can't believe we've only finished in the Europa Conference League places. I wish we finished in the Europa League places, actual. <laughs> um, but look, fans are every right to have their frustration. There was a period, you know, there, there has been some dire streaks at this football club and it is that we've got a history of it now. What would you rather? Do we want to be up and down each week and show that mid-table form, you know, in real time? Or do we want the highs and then the low. It's a hard choice for me, to be honest. That's I actually think a very I'm, good point. I've not thought yeah. about it like that. If you were winning, losing, winning, losing, winning, losing, you'd probably think, oh, it was a pretty average season. It just was it was weird. But to be so good and then so bad, it's, it's made that first half slightly more yeah. frustrating because we know what Villa could have achieved this season. But that's just... Sport, isn't it? You you don't have consistently brilliant seasons unless you're a Man City or somebody like that where you're just relentless. What mid-table team really finishes there in style would be my, my thing unless, you, you know, you'd have had to be in the relegation places all, um you know, all season um, to finish mid-table in style. Um, mm. So for me, it is, it is a tough one. You get the frustration, you get the annoyance at the streets, but Look, um, we could have had it one way or another. What team has performed to Villa standards all season? I think maybe uh, Man City. <laughs> if, if you want the team that has done that, carried that performance across the entire season, there's only been one. Okay, it's been an odd season anyway. Um, if you talk, look, Liverpool could finish fourth in a really ugly fashion. Spurs could qualify for Europe in really ugly fashion. It's not a few teams that have kind of landed you know, stuck the landing, so to speak. So Villa are just one of those. And hopefully the break does us good. Uh, it was a quick turnaround. 
you know, we've benefited from that massively. It looked like our lockdown form kind of just upped and upped um, mm. when we came into the new season. So hopefully this break is the flip side and does us some good and we can get away, refresh, spend some money, come back stronger because, you know, this Villa team has shown nothing but progress since we've, you know, me and you have been covering them. Thank you very much for watching the Current Blue podcast. Apologies for the technical difficulties for those that watch along live, for the people that are watching this on YouTube. Uh, I'll, I'll get this out tonight, Wednesday evening, for those of you that are watching uh, this after the fact. Hopefully you haven't even noticed any technical difficulties and we've got away with it. Um, but apologies to those that saw the car crash on Facebook Live. Um, we'll be back again on Sunday for the last game of the Premier League season. That whole season without going to Villa Parker will be completed. Um, I can't believe it. it's actually flown by, really, when you when you think about it. Uh, Villa finishing mid-table, plenty to talk about still, then they'll have transfer window opening and I'll be having a, a bit of a break off work at last. I can't wait to not be working on a weekend, but don't tell Matt Kendrick, my boss, that, otherwise I might be in trouble. Uh, James, thanks for joining us. We only show up when we win. Uh, thanks to those that watch this uh, podcast. We'll see you again on Sunday. Thank you very much and up the Villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the Villa. Up the Villa.